Now, there seems to be a select variety of tactics that you can use for the situation. Maybe these sound familiar to you. One, well, you can just go to your room, and when you come back, that plate will be waiting for you. Or, you can just go to your room without any dinner. Or, you can just sit right there and eat every single bite, and you're not going to get up until you do. And I can wait you out. Sound familiar? You see, vegetables have been causing turmoil for a very, very long time. Have they not? Yeah, vegetables have this way of just creating tension around the dinner table, right? But even long before that, long before our children tried to get out of the way of eating vegetables, tried to come up with every excuse not to eat vegetables, vegetables were creating turmoil for a very long time before that. And if you think about it, of all the things to fight about, all the things to divide yourself on, of all, your thing, all the things you could disagree about, all the things you could judge other people about, vegetables. Are you serious? And, and what I mean to say is that for, for a while, vegetable, eating vegetables or not eating vegetables was a big deal to the people of faith, our faith. And, and really what that meant was someone had the opinion, the idea that Eating certain things is the way you honored God. Or maybe better said, not eating certain things is the way that you honored God. Now, our children would probably suggest that not eating vegetables should be the way to honor God, but, you know, whatever side they decide to be on, that's okay. But here you have this idea about vegetables. These people are fighting about vegetables. Some other things. It's a silly it makes you appreciate the things that we fight about. At least we argue and complain and fight about things that really matter, right? I mean, you know, the color of the carpet's pretty important. The color of the walls, parking lots, these, things, these are important things. At least we've come to our senses, and when we argue, we at least argue about things that matter, Right? Amen. Now, in the last couple of chapters of Romans that we've read over the last several weeks, Paul has, Paul has told us quite a bit. Paul has given us this great image of the new life in Christ that is offered to us. He talks about being new, and new life. And Paul takes that great and powerful illustration and idea, and he builds on it. And after he tells us that we have this new life, then he tells us that with this new life, we can overcome evil with good. And you would think that he would then build on that again. And in some ways, as Romans continues, he will. He will do that. But in the meantime, he sort of comes down the ladder as you read through it. He talks about new life in Jesus Christ, overcoming evil with good. And then he has to come down and say, now, this is the way you're supposed to treat each other. This is the way you're supposed to think about each other. This is the way you're not supposed to think about each other. 
And isn't that just like us? You see, God has done so much, shown us so much. Some of us, we confess that God is good all the time and that all the time God is good. Ever heard that? Sure you have. And yet, well, (laughs) you know about so-and-so, don't you? You heard about them, right? Well, you know, that's just them being them. You know how it is. That's just the way they do it. Paul has to remind us how to treat each other. And it's interesting, Paul's not telling us, the church, the Romans, how to treat the pagans, how to treat the Roman officials, how to treat all those evil people. He has to tell us how to treat each one of us, our brothers and sisters. Does that sound odd at all? It should sound odd. Because somewhere, somewhere along the line, we were taught, We were shown, we were programmed that when we saw someone different, when we saw the other, that automatically set them apart from us. It became us and them. We see that everywhere. We think about today, what so many people are remembering today. They attack us. It's everywhere. I even think about, and take it for what it is, I'm not poking at one person. I was watching the, 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 the debate last, last week, and one of the participants got very offended that he seemed that the moderators were trying to put the uh, candidates against each other. And he said, we're not against each other. We're together. I'm paraphrasing, right? We're together, and we're against them. Hello? Are we against anybody? See, we see that everywhere. And the problem is that that same kind of logic, and that same kind of uh, thought creeps in to the church as well. Now, you know, maybe it sounds or whatever, but from the church you could say, well, what else would you expect from culture? What else would you expect from Government. What else would you expect from anything that is not God? The problem is, it happens within the body of Christ just the same. And if I'm lying, you can tell me to stop. Hmm. The same attitude creeps into the body of Christ. Why do you think we have so many denominations? It's not because we don't have enough buildings. It's because our tendency is, well, your idea is crazy, so I'm just going to go make me another church. Instead of sitting down trying to work it out, instead of saying, you know what, I just, I don't buy that, I don't see that, but I'm still going to sit down and worship with you anyway. What we do is say, adios, I'm gone. We're supposed to be something that God is doing. We're supposed to be an illustration of the power of God. But unfortunately, you know the story. That is who we are, unfortunately. But that is not who we are called to be. Y'all with me? 
You see, we have this tendency, we think, well, vegetables. We don't disagree about vegetables anymore. Let's just clear the air, right? I'm just using that, right? And not even Paul, when he brought it up, not so much that they argued about vegetables, about what foods were clean and unclean. That was the main issue. And we don't argue about vegetables anymore, anymore, but there are things that we do let divide us, don't we? Have you known anyone who's ever criticized someone who goes to another church where they raise their hands when they sit down and sing? Have you ever known anyone who has criticized another church or another tradition of faith who sing different kinds of songs that we do? Have you ever known or been with someone who's criticized another church or faith tradition that prays a little bit louder than you might? It's vegetables, friend. It's all it is. Vegetables all over. And what that does is nothing except validate ourselves. Makes us feel good about maybe decisions we've made maybe makes us feel about where we are and things that we think are right. But in the end, vegetables. Paul says that we are to welcome the weak in faith. And what's really funny about that is that if I have my opinion and you have your opinion, and if you think you're right, and if I happen to think I'm right, then you probably think I'm the weaker one, and then I probably think you're the weaker one. Right? Kind of funny how that works. And so Paul says, welcome the weak in faith. And we might be able to say then that this applies to everyone, not just the powerful over the weak, because we all think we're more powerful than we are. Is that okay if I just pop your bubble a little bit? We all think we're a little more powerful than we are in some regards. Y'all with me? But it's vegetables. God has already welcomed us all, Paul tells us. Paul says that those people that we disagree with will be upheld. Those people that we disagree with will be upheld because the Lord can make them stand. And so our criticism, our judgments of each other and other people really don't mean anything except to us. They're really a way for us to live out for ourselves, to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Now, many of us obviously remember the days after 9-11. And, and I remember, and some of you have commented on this, and I'm sure you remember as well, that as you watched the news reports and you, you saw people get together, you could sense and you could feel this, this, this strong unity amongst everyone. It didn't matter what political party you were in. It didn't matter what state you were from. It didn't matter what language you spoke. It didn't matter where you were from, what, you, what your living conditions were. It didn't matter anything about life. It didn't even almost matter about what church you went to. We were all one. We were all unified. We all sang, God bless America. Now I want to suggest to you that that image, that kind of unity, is a glimpse into what we're supposed to live like. Now, I use the word glimpse because it didn't last. Even now, today, September 11th may come and maybe a big, you know, uh, 
milestone like 10 years comes and we have these ceremonies together and we remember and you, you see the reports, you see all the people gathered and everyone's together and maybe they're praying together, maybe they're singing together and then September 12th comes and we get right back to business. We'll get right back to making you want to vote for me more than her or him. We'll get right back to showing you why our, why our church is more better than their church. We'll get back, right back to having our same ideas about those people who do things differently than us. It just doesn't last very long, unfortunately. And that is in part the reason why we come here every week. We need to be reminded of what God has done for us. Fair? We need to be reminded of how God has moved in us and how God is moving in other people. Because if we were to neglect the meeting, Hebrews language, maybe we'd forget. We'd go on about our business and do things the way we did before. But when we come together, we are reminded together of what God is doing in all of us. And that in part brings us together. See, it's real funny. You think about vegetables. Vegetables divided us at one time. Music divides us now. The way we do communion divides. The reality is, vegetables didn't divide anybody. They're just vegetables. They're just doing what vegetables do. They grew, somebody picked, and they ate them. That's what vegetables do. Vegetables don't divide anybody. Most of the things we argue about don't divide us. It's us. We are the ones doing the dividing. Paul would later on in that same chapter that we read, he would later on go on to say, to instruct us not to, watch this, destroy the work of God over vegetables. Do not destroy the work of God over vegetables, over church buildings, over communion, over parking lots, over songs, over anything else. Do not destroy the work of God over vegetables. Y'all with me? When we do that, we realize that is us living for ourselves. And there's something else we, we, we get halfway right, we have the tendency to think that tragedy brings us together or inspiring stories bring us together, right? Tragedy. We think about, again, September 11th. We think about how we came together. We think sometimes it just takes a tragedy to bring us together. And I would even say that that is only partly true because it's not the tragedy. Of course, I'm biased. But it's God's spirit that brings us together. And that through any of those kind of circumstances, tragedy. God's Spirit reminds us of what's really important. Because we've gone on through our lives throughout all the other days and we've we've had our fun here and we've done this and we've put our minds at other places and sometimes when things happen, it makes us realize what is really important. It's God's Spirit that brings us together. And friends, you may be listening and thinking, well, That's great. Kind of a pep rally kind of talk, but it is so much more than that. 
You see, because the church has a mission. And as long as the church is fighting over vegetables, we can't live into our mission. As long as we, as as God's people, are fighting over vegetables, we can't be God's people the way God wants us to be. And when we realize that it's God that brings us together, and when we strive to live into that unity, God forms us and makes us into God's people so that we can be about doing God's work. And friends, I'm going to suggest that God's work is very simple. Maybe there's different kinds of work. Maybe there's different levels. Maybe there's some things that seem more difficult than others. Maybe some work takes longer than than other work. But at the very core, our work is that message that we belong to God. When we belong to God, many of those other things don't matter. When we belong to God, even in tragedy, we can be reminded of God's presence. When we know we belong to God, vegetables surely don't matter. So as the people of God, as the people of God with a powerful message of God's presence, knowing who we are and whose we are, can I invite you to please pray with me? Oh, gracious God, you have called us to be your people. You have called us to be your own. You have told us, God, that we are yours. And God, it's my prayer that all of us could hear that promise once more today. That your presence with us and that your assurance of who we are could build us up. Could pull us out from whatever we are facing. Could remind us of the joy you want us to have could give us the peace, God, that only you offer. God, as we want to be your people, we recognize that we need your help. So by your spirit, God, make us one with you and make us one with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.